Today on the Banjo Says Podcast, we'll be discussing Facebook entering the podcast marketplace, Apple rolling out some huge updates to the Apple Podcast platform, and a couple of other things, so go ahead and stick around. Greetings, Earthlings, and welcome back to episode 250 Heaven of the BSP. My name is Bandrew, this is what I says, and this is your Heavenly Sunday update. <laughs> That's blasphemous, I apologize. If you want different versions of this show, i.e. audio or video, you can find that at bandrewsays.com. If you want to skip around and save some time, there are timestamps to everything that I discuss in the episode notes, and there are also all the appropriate links in the episode notes. And if you want to check out other amazing shows, go check out geeksrising.com. Let's start with the news that Facebook is attempting to enter the podcast and audio market because this is exciting news. This is nothing bad can happen from this at all. This comes from a story that I read from Forbes and it is quoting Facebook's app head. And they said they would be rolling out sound effects tools for Facebook users to play with, short-form quote-unquote sound bites that they can record and share, the ability to find and play podcasts in the Facebook app, and live audio rooms in Facebook and Messenger. She went on to say Facebook could integrate all of these different forms of audio. For example, a creator could elect to record an audio room to turn into a podcast, then share snippets of it as sound bites. Let me walk you through my thought process when I'm reading stories like this about actions or new features being rolled out by social media platforms. When I'm thinking about these features, I am thinking about what the average user does and what the average user's consumption practices are on each platform. For example, YouTube. What do people do on YouTube? They watch long form and short form content, video content. When it comes to Twitter, what do people do? They typically consume quick text posts. When it comes to Instagram, mainly used to consume pictures or maybe short form video, but mainly pictures. Spotify, mainly used to consume audio content. The reason I think through it this way is it helps me determine if I think a new feature will be successful or worthwhile on a platform. If we're talking about Spotify, I think it would be silly for Spotify to invest millions in developing a text-based social media aspect to Spotify because people do not go to Spotify to consume text-based content. They go to Spotify to consume audio content. That's why Spotify investing heavily into podcasting makes a lot more sense. That makes a lot of sense to invest into podcasting because people go to Spotify to consume audio content. What is podcasting? Audio content, just a different style of audio content. But then we get Facebook proper. What is Facebook proper? I don't think I could classify it. To me, it just seems like a bloated mess. I logged in yesterday because I don't typically use it. Is it text? Is it photos? Is it videos? Is it gaming? Is it, what is it? I legitimately have no idea. I don't think it is anything really. It is an amorphous blob of all social media. And maybe that's why it's so bad. It's unfocused and people just create different styles of content. 
they all view Facebook as something different. Facebook is where I'll write long blog posts screaming at people about, about politics. Oh, Facebook's where I'll post quick blurbs about updates in my life so my family can know. Everybody views it as something different, and maybe that's why it's such a terrible platform. But if I had to condense it down, I guess Facebook is mainly about posting quick pictures and updates about your life and short-form texts. Of course, you will have people who go on diatribes about politics. I think that is an exception as opposed to the rule. Therefore, I think that Facebook may have some difficulty getting people to adopt listening to long-form content on Facebook. Maybe they will get the the clubhouse crowd where they have audio rooms and messenger, or maybe they will adopt some of the discord crowd, the discord users, because they have audio chat rooms for their friends. Maybe we'll see that. I do not see the entire podcasting platform really picking up there. Just like I don't think live gaming content really took off on Facebook. I don't think we'll see that with long form audio because that's not what people go to Facebook to do. At least in my estimation, as somebody who doesn't really use Facebook, that's my estimation. People don't go to Facebook to listen to an hour and a half or three hour diatribe from Joe Rogan and some guest talking about DMT and how we're all a bunch of apes. I don't think people go for that content. But there is something that I think Facebook understands and I think it's smart of them to address. And that's in the second quote that I included. The part that I want to focus on is share snippets of a podcast as sound bites. If you have been in podcasting for any length of time, you know the biggest complaint is, oh, there's no way to grow my show. It's a podcasting discoverability is broken. Well, here is Facebook attempting to address that. If you are uploading or recording your podcast on Facebook, it sounds as though they're going to make it very easy for you to pull out a quick clip from that audio and share that. And the reason I think that may help with a little bit of discoverability is people won't listen to long form content on Facebook in my estimation, but if there's a quick 30 second clip, Maybe they will listen to that in their timeline as they're scrolling through, looking at somebody to scream about Donald Trump about whatever the hell people do on Facebook nowadays. Maybe that will help. And the more discoverability tools there are out there, the easier it is for people to promote their shows. I think the better because then, hey, maybe somebody will listen to you and your friends talk about whatever. But then we run into an issue. And I think this is the most interesting part about this entire story. If you have followed the news over the last five years, you know Facebook has banned a number of people. The first one that comes to mind is Alex Jones. Alex Jones does not just upload videos or post to Facebook and everywhere else. He also runs a podcast. And what is a podcast or how is a podcast distributed? Through RSS, richly syndicated something richly, I don't know what RSS stands for, I can't remember, but an RSS feed, if you have the RSS feed URL, you can subscribe to any podcast in any podcatcher. They may remove that podcast from their directory. There have been a number of podcast directories that have removed Alex Jones, Apple, and a bunch of people pull from Apple's directory, meaning Alex Jones was banned from a bunch of places. But still, if you have the RSS feed for Alex Jones's show, you can still subscribe to that in your podcatcher. 
And the reason I find this interesting is if Facebook is entering the podcast marketplace, are they going to create a proper podcatcher or are they going to censor what you are able to subscribe to on the Facebook podcast listener? Or will you only be able to listen to podcasts, quote unquote podcasts that are uploaded directly to Facebook? How are they going to address it? That's what's going to be interesting. And I want to watch that. I want to see if people are able to subscribe to banned people from Facebook. Will people be able to listen to Alex Jones on Facebook and how long until people scream at Facebook for allowing people to listen to Alex Jones on Facebook, even though Facebook is not hosting it because podcasts are not hosted by the podcatcher. Apple does not currently host any podcasts. They just allow you to subscribe to podcasts that are hosted elsewhere. What is Facebook's approach going to be here? That's what I am so excited about because this is new territory. Is Facebook going to continue to censor people? Are people going to continue to expect Facebook to censor people? Give me the information I want to know now. But with all this nonsensical rambling out of the way, how does this impact creators? It's another platform that you might be able to leverage to grow your podcast audience. I am personally not going to do a damn thing with this. I'm not going to go onto Facebook all of a sudden. I'm going to continue to never use Facebook because I know it sucks. I hate it. I don't like the conversations. I don't like the environment on Facebook, so I will not use it. I know there are a huge amount of podcasters who do use Facebook, though. May be a good way to grow your podcast, find a new audience. But if you want to know more about this, I can almost guarantee that Dave Jackson, Daniel J. Lewis, and the Better Podcasting Boys have been talking about this and covering it. Or if they have not done so yet, I am sure that they will. And I will link all of their shows in the episode notes. Dave Jackson's School of Podcasting, Daniel J. Lewis, The Audacity to Podcast, and Better Podcasting at Better Podcasting. I will link all their shows. Go check them out. Subscribe to them. They are way more plugged into podcasting than I am. And that is it for the Facebook news. Let's jump to the Apple news. Apple is rolling out a massive update to Apple Podcasts, which is going to destroy podcasting. Apparently, there was a big issue where if you clicked a few buttons, your podcast would completely disappear from the, the Apple podcast directory. Have no fear. There is podcastindex.org. That is a podcast directory run by Adam Curry, the co-inventor of podcasting. Continue to saving, continue, continuing to invent and save podcasting. I think that's what it is. He also is working on podcasting 2.0, which is very interesting. Go check both of those things out if you want an alternative to the Apple directory. But as far as this update, the biggest update here is that Apple is going to allow for paid subscriptions in the Apple podcast app. As they state in the announcement, these subscriptions will allow for benefits such as ad-free listening, access to additional content, and early or exclusive access to new series. And they're also going to be rolling out something called channels, which they quote as groups of shows curated by creators with unique titles, descriptions, and artwork. They did also roll out some updates to the Podcast Connect app backend thing. I don't know much about that. Again, go check out the actual podcast about podcasting. They know a lot more about it. Let's dive deeper into this, though. As far as the subscriptions, that is not free. 
you as a podcaster cannot just go in and say, yes, enable subscriptions, please give me monies. You have to pay $20 a year, $19.99 per year to gain access to this. That is not it. For the first year of every single person who subscribes to you subscription, I think I worded that as poorly as I possibly could. If somebody subscribes to your show with this Apple podcast premium thing, the first year, Apple will take 30% of that, 30% of that revenue. After the first year, that rate will decrease to 15%. So you will go from 70% to 85% of the revenue from each individual subscription after the first year of that person's subscription. I think I explained that properly. And that is the revenue breakdown. If that is of interest to you, you may be thinking I'm going to freak out and say, how can they charge $19.99 a year? I don't care. I don't care about this at all. I actually think that's a perfectly fair price. Why? Because Apple is going to, if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that Apple will in fact host the premium content that you're putting behind the paywall. I can tell you, I pay 20 bucks a month for hosting my podcast, and I don't know if there are any data limits, anything regarding what Apple is going to host for that 20 bucks a year, but 20 bucks a year for hosting a podcast, that seems perfectly fair to me. You will, of course, need to ensure that you're getting your money's worth by growing the amount of subscribers and publishing sufficient amount of content to make that 20 bucks worth it, but I think 20 bucks a year is perfectly fine. And then as far as the revenue share, I think 30% down to 15%, that's par for the course. YouTube takes 30 to 50%, Twitch takes 90% of ads, and 50%, I don't know all of the ad revenue breakdowns, but 30% down to 15% is perfectly reasonable and par for the course. If you do want a different ad rate or, or revenue split, jump over to Patreon. I think they take 10 to 15% from day one so you can get more money there. But I want to address the question, if there are better revenue splits out there through places like Patreon, why would you use the Apple Podcast Premium? Why would you do that? If your entire audience or a large portion of your audience listens to your show on Apple Podcasts and they do not have to leave the app to give you money, that's removing barriers. That's removing hurdles that those listeners have to jump over to give you money because they find value in what you're doing and they want more of it. Asking people to go to a separate website, create an account, enter all your payment information, trust that new TOS to be accurate and reasonable, that's a, that's a lot of hurdles to require somebody to jump over. By integrating that payment into the service that they are listening on, that makes it a lot easier for them to do so. So you will have to decide if that is worth giving up the extra 10 to 15% over Patreon. Also, I think it would be cool if Apple rolled out a feature that wasn't give us money for additional content. If they just adopted the Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak, no agenda, value for value model where they allowed you to just have a payment button there give this podcast money because you like it. That would be neat because I do not want to monetize my podcast and create exclusive behind the paywall content. But if somebody wants to give me money and Apple allows for that to happen, I'm not going to stop it. <laughs> that would be cool. That's not what they're doing though. 
So you have a couple of options there, and before I make this next statement, I want to make it abundantly clear, I have no idea if there is some kind of exclusivity clause in Apple's contract here, but if there is not an exclusivity clause, why not just create and engage that Apple Podcast Premium, and then also make a Patreon, and then put it wherever else you can to diversify your income streams a little bit more. That would be the route I would go if I was adopting this format, adopting this monetization strategy, which I'm not, so I am not going to do. But that would be a good way to go. Diversify your income streams as much as possible. Get a PayPal donation button. Create the Patreon. Create the YouTube premium subscription membership thing. Create the Apple podcast premium. Do all of it and have as many income streams as you can, because as a content creator, revenue streams are not reliable. (laughs) They are not. And that is it for the Apple Podcast Premium. Then we have the channels announcement. I am going to tell you right now, do not get your hopes up. Do not think, oh, now that they're doing this, I'm gonna, my podcast is gonna blow up and popular. It's not. I can almost guarantee you, us little guys, us little podcasters, Our podcasts are not going to blow up. They are not going to be featured in these channels. That's my estimation. I imagine that it's going to be the same top 100 podcasts that are just categorized differently and allowed to be subscribed to. You can subscribe to a channel about tech news and guess who you're going to get? You're going to get Twit. You're going to get others. I don't know who else does tech news. (laughs) And that's going to be it. It's not going to say, you know who Apple really wants to push? That one podcast that gets 100 listens, 100 downloads. They're not going to do that because there's no proof of there's no proof of quality of content there. I don't think that Apple is going to listen to and catalog every single podcast out there, listen to them and categorize every single word that is said to ensure that content is valid and accurate and valuable for listeners and creates a good experience for Apple Podcast listeners. I don't think they're going to do that. I think the way they are going to create these is going to be looking at download numbers, looking at ratings, looking at reviews. I think they're going to use that information to create the channels for the most part. They may have creator curated lists. And if that's the case, unless large creators listen to us, we're not getting on there. I hate to break the news to you. This is not going to be the discoverability solution that many a podcaster have been wanting and looking for. It's not going to blow up your podcast and make you massively famous, even though you deserve millions of downloads, (laughs) just like I deserve millions and millions of listeners. We don't. (laughs) I hate to be the bearer of bad news, A lot of us do this for fun. We do it because we enjoy doing it, and that's why we should do it. We shouldn't do it to hope to get famous, and it shouldn't be discouraging to you when you realize, oh, that new discoverability thing, that's not for us. It's for the famous people. It's for the famous and rich people. Keep that in mind. They don't care about us. They don't care. We're not going to earn them any money either. (laughs) We're not going to earn them money. They care so little about us. If we roll out $5 a month subscriptions, we are not going to earn Apple $10 million. (laughs) They don't care about us at all. 
keep that in mind. Okay, I'll link all this stuff in the episode notes in case you're curious about reading more about any of that. And with that incredibly discouraging and nihilistic approach to all of this, sorry if I depressed you, that's just the truth, let's talk about what I've been testing. I am currently on the Avantone CV-12. This is the Taylor Swift microphone. That is right. This is an affordable tube microphone. And when I... Microphoned? Microphone. And when I say affordable, I mean $500. For a tube condenser microphone that is relatively affordable, a bunch of polar patterns, I'm on cardioid, I do not have filters engaged, and here is how it has been sounding this entire episode. Do I think it's worth $500? You'll have to wait and see. You'll have to wait and listen and check out the entire podcast, but this was used on Taylor Swift's 1989 on her vocals. Pretty shocking because I imagined the studio had many a more microphone that were nicer, more expensive, and more well-regarded. But this goes to show that if a microphone sounds right on somebody's voice, use the damn thing. Who cares what it is? 500 bucks? Sure. If it's the one that sounds best on Taylor Swift's voice, use it on Taylor Swift's voice. And that's pretty cool. And that's what I'm using right now, the Taylor Swift microphone, because you can call me Tay Swift. I'm a Tay Swift fan. She's great. Very talented songwriter and singer. Anyway, let's jump to, we're not doing what you had to say because last time, yeah, we're not doing that. Let's jump to my favorite part of the show, the Ask Bandrew segment. And welcome back to the Ask Bandrew segment. I don't know why I say welcome back. It's not as though anybody listening to this show said, oh, there's the Ask Bandrew segment. Pause. I'm going to go run errands and then I will come back. That's not what happened. We didn't even go to an ad break. We went to a three second theme song. I don't know why I say it, but welcome back regardless of all that to the Ask Bandrew segment. If you have questions, go to askbandrew.com. There are instructions on how to send in audio, video, and text-based questions. Like I always say, I do prefer audio and video because then I don't have to read. I suck at reading. It's painful for me. It's more painful for you. And you also get a break from my voice. We also get to hear how you sound on your audio gear. And all of that is fun! So much fun! Why am I screaming at you? First email comes from John. He says... I came across your website, YouTube, looking for reviews on the Blue Yeti microphone. This has led me to the XLR microphones like the AT2020, Shure SM58. This then in turn led me to the Focusrite Scarlett 2i2 3rd Gen. I contacted the company for more info, and they were really good, but were really focused on the recording side of the product. My journey started on with needing a simple microphone as a replacement for my headset mic for video conferencing. My young children want to be YouTubers. OMG! They are aged 4, 6, and 9. I apologize for the helicopter outside. There's a military takeover in my city right now. Can you hear it? That's a loud helicopter. I am very taken aback with the enthusiasm around YouTube and have just started to set up computers in their rooms for school and heading towards adding microphones at later stages. I would like to try and show them how to do this just as a small project, maybe during the terrible time we are in with regards to COVID. I would like to understand if you can use the 2i2 to play music and have them singing and recording themselves just to get them exposed to music. 
This is a long-winded way of a recommendation of equipment. The easy route is the USB microphones, but I would like to try the XLR route. And with Christmas coming, it would be, it could be a few presents from. I'm not gonna say that because we may have some some children listeners. I don't want to burst any bubbles. What are your thoughts? My eldest daughter is visually impaired and only last week diagnosed with dyslexia, so I want to give her a project that we can work on as she has been doing little start-stop videos that we could add sound. Thanks so much. Your videos are brilliant. Many thanks, John. John, thank you very much for the email. That is a wonderful question and a wonderful reason to want to get into audio, to spend time with your kids, expose them to music, and get them into recording stuff because that is such a fun journey to go down. You absolutely can record using the 2i2. You can hear the music while you're singing, all of that stuff. They have the app. I don't remember if the 2i2 has a mix dial on it. It does not have a mix dial on it. You would need to download the software. Has all that, allows you to mix between computer playback, which is where the music would be coming from, as well as zero latency monitoring being the microphone running into the interface. So you'd hear your voice in your headphones, you'd hear the music playing back, and you could sing along. You would need to have a piece of recording software to be able to do this. A free one on Mac is GarageBand, and a free one on Windows and Mac, and I think even Linux is Audacity. The way you would need to do this is to download the audio file and then drop that into your recording software and then record the vocals on a new track. I think I explained that properly. I even think the 2i2 third gen has loopback, if I'm not mistaken. It's been a while since I've used it, actually dove into it. If it has loopback, you could set up your computer playback as a loopback source, select the loopback source as one channel's input in the recording software, select the microphone as the other input, play audio from YouTube, and record it into your piece of recording software while your children sing into the microphones. That could be a really good option. I think that would work perfectly fine. And as far as learning Audacity, since it's a free piece of software and it is extremely popular, I'm going to throw out a number and say there are probably upwards of 10,000 videos, video tutorials, explaining how to do everything in Audacity. I'm not 100% sure about the accessibility features of Audacity. I imagine with how popular it is, they have slowly developed that because it is open source. People could create plugins or updates to it, I imagine. Also, I know Apple is really good with accessibility stuff, so that may be beneficial if you do use Mac computers. GarageBand, I'm sure, is well-suited for somebody who is visually impaired as well. John? Thank you very much for the email. I hope that helped you out and best of luck to you on that journey. Sorry, I'm getting to it in April when this was sent in October and talking about Christmas. I hope your children got amazing audio gifts. John, best of luck to you. Next, we have a voice submission from Poland. Take it away, Adam from Poland. Hi, Benju. This is Adam from a mysterious country to the east of United States called Poland. And I have uh, several questions to you, maybe one that we can all uh, relate to. So had you ever a situation where you recorded a long uh, recording, 
that you were in your head happy about, but then it turned out that either your microphone was off, it's it was muted, or for any other reason it wasn't working and you have to redo the whole thing. Because it happened for me recently and it was just infuriating when it happened. The second thing is uh, I, regarding my gear. So I use Rode NTG5 and Rode Video Mic NTG as my recording gear. I just reckon that the shotgun microphones are versatile enough for me to use in a different situations because I plan on working more with my voice and maybe doing some stuff like YouTube like everyone or maybe a voiceovers like not everyone. But I need to first know whether I'm working on the right kind of gear, whether it works for my voice. And uh, also, how would you rate the voice that I'm actually speaking? Is it fine to listen to or uh, should I rethink my ideas? That's just be as harsh as possible. That's absolutely fine. Uh, I will adjust as well and accept any feedback. I also come from corporate, so, you know, feedback is a good thing, always. Anyway, uh, going back to, uh, to the voice question, also, I will send you a sample of my voice in a more treated environment. Right now, you are hearing a reverb because uh, I'm, a, I'm in a big room. It's a bit empty, so it has an echo bouncing around. But I did some EQ as well on the the recording and I want to know your feedback, whether that's the right direction to EQ my voice or am I actually lost and just false positive on that. Thank you for everything and keep up the good work, mate. Stay safe. Bye-bye. Adam, thank you very much for the voice submission. I appreciate you. And I don't know, you may be the first voice submission from Poland. So thank you very much for doing that. Let's answer this question. Have I ever recorded and had to re-record the audio because I screwed it up somehow? All the time. I do this all the time. I am an idiot and I kick myself every single time. There have been times where I have not had my microphone activated in my recording software. There have been times where I have not had the recording portion of my audio hijack activated, so I was not recording. There have been times where I have had the incorrect channel for my interface selected, and I was recording silence or recording a microphone across the room. I've done all of that. There have been times where I've recorded the built-in microphone on my computer. If there is a way to screw up a recording, I have done it. When it does happen, I get angry, I curse, I swear, I say, gosh darn it, I can't believe I just wasted for I just did this actually. About a month and a half ago, I recorded a review of a watch for my watch channel, and when I was done, I realized I used a different microphone, or I didn't use the microphone at all. That was where the microphone was not activated, and I just had the camera's microphone. I processed the camera's mic. It sounded perfectly fine. I don't think most people would have minded, but I went ahead and just re-recorded the entire thing because I'm an audio guy. I'm an audio guy. It's unacceptable for me to put out a video where I used the camera's internal microphone when I have a Neumann sitting right here that I use on all of those videos that sounds outstanding. Why would I 
submit people to that when I have the ability to re-record. Let me remind you, our audiences do not care that we had a bad day. Oh, they had a bad day. I'm sure the bad content is fine. Because No. People watch us because they want good content. Our bad days, our screw-ups do not mean that they are going to be okay with bad sounding, bad looking, or just all around bad content. So when I screw up, I always just redo it. And does it suck? Absolutely it does. It sucks. It's a pain in the butt. And I hate myself when I do it. But we have to do it to stand out because that bad video that we make may be somebody's first impression of us. And I do not want to leave a terrible impression on somebody. Oh, look at this. The, the audio guy has terrible audio. You must be an idiot. Yeah, that's how somebody's going to take it. I'm not going to give them that, that opportunity. And I know somebody's going to say all snarky, Oh, listen to your podcast. Every episode sounds terrible. Eat my butt. Eat my butt. <laughs> you bullies. <laughs> Why am I? I'm creating this, this artificial scenario in my head where people are meaning, le meaning leave comments. Jeez. This is what I'm talking about. Second question. You're using the NTG5 and VideoMic NTG. Is the audio okay? I think your speaking voice is fine. I think the mics work perfectly fine on your voice. When I heard that, the first thing I thought is, that's a reverberant room. That is a very reverby room. And I think that is the first thing you need to fix, you need to work on. I will address something that you say a little bit later because you do have a more well-treated room. But that's the first thing I noticed, and that's the first thing that's going to draw people's attention but I think the microphones will work fine for you. Small diaphragm condensers or pencil condensers might also be a good option for you, but since you have those two microphones, I think you're perfectly fine. Now, you also sent in two samples of yourself recording in a more well-treated room, one with EQ and one without EQ. I will play those very quickly, without EQ, with EQ, without EQ, with EQ, so people can hear that, and then I'll share my thoughts. Okay. I will tell you a story, a beautiful story about the five minute recording when I grinded my ass off to get it as good as possible to test my voice, how I sound without my headphones on and to see whether my brain actually is effed by the fact that I have headphones and zero latency recording. So what happened was I, well, yeah, I, I got my point. Um, I commented on that, uh, did several interesting findings along the way. I think you are on the right track with your EQ. When I listened to the non-EQ version, I heard muddiness. I heard a lot of low mids, just unclear and brutal sounding. You did a good job cleaning that up and making a much clearer sound. I still think it's a bit reverby, but much better than the main recording you sent in. I would focus on trying to get a little bit better treatment or finding a different way to position the microphone to reject as much of that as you possibly can. But I think you are definitely on the right track, Adam. Thank you very much for the voice submission and the samples. I appreciate you, and I hope that was helpful for you. Best of luck on your recording. Next, we have an email from Dylan. They say, How's it going, Bandrew? I recently found your channel and have started watching a lot of your videos. Anyways... When I watch your mic reviews, I feel like every mic you use sounds relatively good. 
I don't know if I'm just not hearing what the mic experts can hear, but that's just what I hear. I recently bought an ATR2100X based on reviews and in your video, it sounded great to me, like a lot of other mics do on your channel. However, I feel like I don't get the quality you have. I have a third gen Scarlett Solo interface and in your review of the mic, you had the gain on the interface at 95% for the section that you used the interface. I know you used a 2i2 instead of a Solo, but don't know if there's a big difference in quality. I tried the gain on 95% as well, and I also positioned the mic like you had, but something was still off. It didn't sound like the quality I heard in your video. I got a fed head to make sure the gain more clean and it caused my mic to clip at 50% gain and there wasn't any quality difference to me. My question is, what am I missing? What aspect is making the quality difference between your sound and my sound? I know you set the gain on the interface at 95, but what do you keep the level of the Windows setting mic volume paired with the interface volume? I appreciate any response and keep up the good work. Dylan, thank you very much for the email. I recorded something a little while ago with the ATR2100X. I will cut to that right now. Dylan, thank you very much for the email and the question. This is a question that is nearly impossible to answer. Why? Because I cannot hear your audio. I do not know what you are doing. I do not know what is wrong with it. I will walk you through how I set up the Audio-Technica ATR2100X, which is what I am using currently. I don't know if you are on Windows or Mac, but the first thing I do when setting up a new audio device is go into my audio setup, make sure I know what bit depth and what sample rate I am using. Here I am 24 bit, 48 kilohertz. I have set that up for both the ATR2100X and the Focusrite Scarlett 2i2 3rd gen, so I'm recording identical bit depth and sample rates for this example. Then I will look at my audio settings and set my level to ensure that I am not clipping. Here I have my level set at around 50% and I am hitting a perfectly fine level where you want to record at. A little bit of headroom so if I get a little bit louder, I don't have to worry about clipping and distorting. And I should also note for the Focusrite 2i2, I have my gain set at 3 o'clock. And for both of these, I'm hitting around negative 12 dB, so a pretty healthy level. A little bit hotter than I would typically want to run, but for this quick down and dirty sample, I'm okay with it. Then we get to the microphone placement. Here I am about three inches off of the microphone. It's pointed at the corner of my mouth. I may still get a couple of plosives, but this really should help. If you are setting up the microphone a foot, foot and a half away, it's gonna sound bad no matter what you do. If you're talking into the wrong side of the microphone, it's going to sound bad no matter what you do. Make sure you know that you're speaking into the correct side of the microphone. Make sure that when you are recording, you are recording the correct microphone. That's another big issue that I have seen people make. They have been recording the incorrect microphone. I cover all of this in a video I made. I can't remember what the title is. It may have been 12 tips and tricks to get better sounding audio or four biggest mistakes to why your audio sucks, something like that. And the tip is scratch the microphone. That will show you in your meters that you are recording the correct microphone because that scratching of the microphone's grill is not going to be loud enough to be picked up by other microphones in your room. 
And that's pretty much all that I can really suggest without hearing what you're doing, what your audio sounds like. It sounds perfectly fine to me. My level on my focus right is set at 75% or 3 o'clock rather. My gain on my Mac is set at 50%. I'm recording 24-bit, 48 kilohertz as a WAV file. Also make sure you're not recording it like a 20 two kilohertz sample rate because that'll destroy the audio (laughs) that will sound terrible do not do that and as far as what you need to keep the level of the windows setting mic volume paired with the interface volume i don't know exactly what you're asking here if you are connecting the microphone via usb to the computer and also running the xlr cable out you don't need to do that that's not necessary You can just connect it directly to the interface and you will be good. On the other hand, if the Focusrite has a gain setting on Windows as well as... I don't know what that would be set to. I would guess 100%. I would guess 100% because that's typically what you would set the interface level to. Because that acts as a fader for the interface and you don't want... I'm not 100% sure. I imagine Julian Krauss would cover that. I use Mac. I only use Windows at my job. I do not connect audio stuff to it, so I do not know 100%. Check Julian Krause's video on the Focusrite 2i2 and see what he did with his Windows settings. I can't imagine that Windows has a setting for the interface level as well as the dial. I don't see that being a thing anymore. But maybe I'm completely wrong. If somebody has the Focusrite 2i2 or the Focusrite Solo 3rd Gen on Windows, let me know in the comments on YouTube. What do you do? Is there a level setting at the system level? And then you have to set that properly while also setting your gain on your interface? Or is that not a thing anymore? Let me know in the comments because way out of my depths here. Thank you for the question, Dylan. Hopefully that sample I made helped you out in terms of setting levels and sample rates and bit depths and all of that stuff. Lastly, we have a video submission from Gabe. Take it away, Gabe. Hi, Bandrew. This is Gabriel. I'm talking to you on my Ampal 071 headset. I wanted to ask you about using a podcast platform to reach your audience but then not actually following the podcast formats. I wanted to see how right or wrong that was. I've been asked to start a podcast and um, I'm not gonna follow the traditional format. And my purpose is just gonna be a recording for historical purposes. I'm not gonna be a host bringing in people. I'm not gonna be within a group talking on their specific topic. I just wanna ask you, does the content of the podcast override the misuse of the platform is this an issue or not at all just want to get your opinion thank you so much for having me gabe thank you very much for the video submission i appreciate you very very much thoughts on misusing the podcast platform and not following the podcast format i think you need to erase that idea from your head immediately erase that from your head i don't think there is misusing the podcast platform. I don't think there's an appropriate podcast format. There are people who have guests on and they interview them. There are people who do storytelling podcasts. They read scary stories that people send in. There are people ranting 
On their podcasts like I do, there are audiobook podcasts where they read Grimm's fairy tales, apparently. There are movie review podcasts. There are podcasts meant to put people to sleep. I think if there is a piece of audio content that you want to put out regularly or put out on an RSS feed, no matter what it is, do it. It can be a podcast. I don't think there's anything wrong with getting creative and doing something different from what other podcasters do. Hell, I think that's the best way to go. (laughs) If nobody else is doing what you're doing on podcasting, I think that's special. And I think that should be celebrated, not, not discouraged. Go forth and kick butt, Gabe. If nobody's doing it, that makes it even better. If it's just to catalog your or archive your stuff for historical purposes, do it. Do it. Podcasts have no format. Podcasts have no rules. Unless you're talking about Apple and Facebook, then I'm sure there's going to be plenty of rules. <laughs> but, but in general, the actual form of podcasting has no real form. It has no rules. It has no guidelines that you have to follow. Do whatever the heck you want. And, and I hope it works out for you. There's no boundaries with podcasting. Make what you want and share it with the world if that's what you want to do. Best of luck, Gabe. I hope that helps you in your push to go and create the stuff that you want to make. Best of luck. And I think that is it for this week's episode. I apologize for taking... You know what? I don't apologize. Why the hell would I be sorry? I took a week off from a free podcast that I do for fun. I'm not sorry. I do appreciate you, though, for being here. I appreciate you very much. I appreciate all the messages. I tried to put out the announcement, hey, I'm taking the week off last week everywhere. Twitter not Facebook, YouTube, Discord. I put it in all of those places, and I think most people noticed it and saw that and were okay with it, but we're back this week. If you want other shows, go check out geeksrising.com. We got movie reviews. We got gaming discussions. We got learning about Tourette's. It's amazing. There are awesome shows on there, mine being the bottom of the rung. (laughs) Where the crazy person screams into a microphone and everybody's like, I think we need to commit this guy. This guy's a bit crazy. Should he Should he have a microphone? This seems dangerous. That's where I'm at at the bottom. Trust me, I know. I know. I question it too. Should I have a microphone? Is this going to end in tears? I think this is going to end poorly. All right. We're, I don't know what that was. I appreciate you very much. Let's end with that. I hope you have an amazing Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Next Sunday, I will talk at you. I love you. Have an amazing week. I'll talk to you then. Bye-bye. This has been a Geeks Rising production. Your executive producer is Bandrew Scott. For more information, head over to www.geeksrising.com.